Oh, what a great time of worship this morning. Thanks so much for being here on this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, by the way. It's just good to be in God's house to worship together and to see all that He is doing and how He works in a great way among us. And we're really glad you're here today and being able to worship together. I appreciate Gary's prayer so much as he led us to think about fathers and what that, what that really means. Um, you know, just to, just to be able to think about how life evolves and what happens inside of our lives, right, and how those things happen. Um, my dad died when I was, uh, when Elizabeth and I were in seminary in Texas back in 1982, which is a good number of years now, and uh, he had uh, had a heart condition for a long time. I, I remember my dad having his first heart attack. Uh, I, I barely remember it. He was in his 30s when he had his first heart attack, and uh, so I grew up with a dad who, who was there some, but in the hospital a lot, had a lot of medical problems, and of course, we grew up in eastern Kentucky, and so we had a farm there, and we call it a dirt farm. We had 400 acres and about an acre was flat. That was about it. The other 399 was a mountainside. So we just kind of grew our own crops and lived off that. Uh, I was the youngest of five and uh, just remember walking through that and all the times with my dad. You know, when you, when you have Father's Day and, and you look back and you think about all those times and boy, it's so easy for me still to remember my dad's smile and the hugs that he gave me. Man, I can just, I can still remember those so vividly and such, a, such an important time. Uh, in my life growing up with a dad who, who taught me so many things. There were so many values that he taught me. I wish I had time really just to teach on those values. I think one of the greatest values that my dad taught me was just the that value of fortitude, of, of pressing on. Uh, he did so much. You know, he had, he had a, a severe heart condition in the hospital so many times. There were times where uh, we just thought he'd never come out. As a matter of fact, in my, I think it was my seventh grade year in school. He was in the hospital six months out of 12 months. You know, he'd have a heart attack, go in the hospital, go to ICU, get better, get ready to come home and have another heart attack. And so finally, he uh, had, that, had a severe heart attack. Uh, we were, by then, we were living in southern Ohio, and uh, we came up from... Fort Worth Seminary, where we were in Texas, and, and spent some time. He, uh, he was in the hospital room, and finally the doctor came in and said that uh, there was no brain waves, nothing was going on, so we made that tough decision that many of you have had to walk through, too, of being able to say, when, when is enough enough, and being able to say, well, let's just make all the disconnections uh, from all the life support, and we did that, and I so remember still just this moment, standing by his bedside uh, when he took his last breath, knowing that he was going into eternity, and he had taught us as a family what it meant just to have the fortitude, just to press on, just to, just to do and to understand what it meant to live through life. That life isn't always easy, and there's not going to be all the simple things that come along in our life. Uh, but with God, we get to press on inside those. And he, he taught our family that so well. Now, one of the things that we look at today, we've been walking through um, Hebrews chapter 11. And we've been walking through Hebrews chapter 11 talking about faith, right? Talking about what faith means and how we live out this faith. And I think one of the things that we understand both as parents, as dads, looking at our family, that all the things are, are not always going to go well. We're going to have all these struggles that we go through in life. But the focus is an understanding their Heavenly Father who loves us so much. And we've talked about that and sang about that already today. That makes the impact into our lives. 
Well, today we're going to be looking at um, three passages, three verses actually, from Hebrews chapter 11. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 20, 21, and 22, just three simple verses that are going to teach us some about what it means to be in this understanding of a relationship to God. He tells us in these verses, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. You remember that Joseph was not his youngest son, but was Jacob's son. Uh, he had 12. And as he worshiped, and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And then verse 22 that says, by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Now, in these verses, what we really want to talk about today is just a, an important line that would say to us that perfection is not the goal, but relationship is. There's nowhere around us where we would know that as dads and as parents that we are perfect. Man, so very far from it. Uh, our children could probably tell you so many things about our lives that would show quickly that we're not perfect, right? I remember clearly understanding from my dad that there was not perfection in his life. My dad struggled for early years, and before I even remember actually with alcohol, struggled with that, then became a Christian. In his later years, in his 50s, where he got reconnected to the church and to the Lord, and when I became a part of, of when I became a Christian during that time, it was, a, it was a different kind of experience in our house after that occurred. But I remember that whole idea, you know, I grew up in eastern Kentucky, like I said, and, and you go to a lot of church things, right? You, you hear a lot about religion, and you go and you hear uh, lots of different things. We went to all the funerals around because it was a community time. We went to all the different church services around because that was a gathering time in our community. So you, you heard a lot about God, and you heard a lot about Jesus. We had those fire and brimstone preachers that would just get up and uh, the hacker guys that would come at you and, you know, you'd, you'd listen to them and you'd walk out and think, well, what was that about? But it was when I was in high school that I was confronted with the facts that I might know about religion and religious things, but I didn't understand what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that changed everything for me, by the way, when I understood that I could have a relationship with Christ, that he could be personal into my life, and he could speak into my life, and it really began to change everything about me. And so that really is where we are today, the understanding from this passage that these men were not perfect, but they had a relationship to God. And that relationship drove everything. Matter of fact, each of those verses began with by faith, right? It was by their faith, the faith of how God had worked in their life. We could testify as we look at these three men, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, that they were not perfect. They had problems in their lives, and there were so many things about them that were difficult. Yet God chose to give that personal relationship to them and to use them in great and mighty ways through their families. And I think that's one of the greatest things we understand about who God is. God can take us in our imperfections. God can take us when we are not even close to who we ought to be and yet use us inside our families. And we ask, then, how does he do that? What happens inside that? Then I believe in these verses we find some keys to that. 
First of all, let's look at the very first verse, verse 20, where he says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. And the first thing I want us to see today is that we build your relationship on words of promise. On words of promise. That's where it comes from. The understanding that Isaac understood what had happened with Abraham, his father. You remember the story of Isaac, I would hope. Isaac was the son of Abraham, the one that God had said was all the, all the generations, all the nations that were going to come out of. Abraham had waited a long time for that to happen. He and Sarah had waited over 100 years for that to occur in his life, for him to be blessed with a son who was going to, going to go so far and have all the nations be, of the world be out of him. It, was going to, it took a long time. Right, So there was a, a promise inside that that Abraham had to follow, but Isaac had to be the one who realized it. So by faith, Isaac understood all of his imperfections, understood there was a future. And I think that's a great promise for us inside that because sometimes we forget about the future. Sometimes we think everything is the here and now. But in this regard, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. And you might know the story of Jacob and Esau. That's found over in Genesis chapter 27. And you'll remember in that, uh, Esau actually was the oldest of the sons of, of, of Isaac. And Esau should have had the blessing. But Jacob, his son, uh, tricked him out of that blessing. And so he was the one who got all the blessing. Now, uh, Isaac does give Esau a blessing also, but nothing like Jacob is going to have and nothing like we see the future that's going to come out of that. But this verse tells us that in regard to the future, there is a promise. And that's what I want you to hear today. In regards to the future, there is a promise for you. There's a promise for you as a leader in your family, as a dad, as a parent, as an individual. There's a promise for you. What is that promise? He, he tells us about that promise. He says there are three things about that promise. There's the promise of God's presence. The promise of God's presence we find in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He gives us a real understanding of the presence of God, not just in this verse, but others, where he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's a promise that God has given to us. That's a promise about the future that you need to hear today. It's a promise that some of us sometimes just simply forget where is God and all these things that are going on around us. And the truth is, God is right in the middle of it with his presence. It is never going Going to leave you. He tells us that so many times. Jesus spoke to his apostles and he said to him, I am, I am never going to leave. Wherever you go, I am going to be with you. Wherever you are, my presence are going to, is going to be with you. Now we understand that as followers of Christ, that his presence is with us because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, when I go away, another one's going to come. It's going to be a Holy Spirit. He's going to take up residence in you. He's going to live in you. So this promise of the presence that Jacob was talking about, that Isaac was telling Jacob and Esau about way back in Genesis 27, has its fulfillment in the Holy Spirit in our lives as followers of Christ. And so he gives us the promise of his presence. He also gives them the promise of his provision, his provision. If you look in Philippians chapter 4, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. Now, that's a great word for us, right? All of our needs 
are going to be met, our needs in Christ are going to be met. Now, I truly think what he's, what he's really speaking of is not necessarily our physical need, but our spiritual need of knowing Christ, but it encompasses everything around us. So this promise that Isaac is giving to his sons Jacob and Esau about the future has to do with God's presence in their life and the very provisions, and we see that played out for the rest of Genesis. If you read Genesis, you see that God is providing both for Jacob and Esau in in middle of that. And we begin to see that we have that provision even in our lives today. But then he also tells us that we have the promise of God's power. In Ephesians chapter 1, we read these words as we get through this understanding when Paul talks about this hope in verse 18 and verse 19, he says, and his incompatible great power for us. It's not comparable with anything. It's an incomparable great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength. Now that working, that phrase right there, actually comes from an Isaiah passage. It comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26, where he's talking about the mighty power of God to put all the stars into space. That's where that verse comes from. And he's saying that same God who has all that power to create all things is the same God who has given you the power in your life. Not only does he give us his presence, not only does he give us the very fact of the provisions that we have, but he has power that he wants to give to you. His power, again, through the work of the Spirit of God. The promise, these relationship of words of promise. I I pretty much remember a lot of our wedding day, which is now 42 years ago for us. Just about a month ago, we celebrated 42 years Yes, Elizabeth was like 12 or 10, you know, that kind of deal. But I remember making that promise, right? I remember making a promise to her about being a faithful husband, about what that was going to mean. And that was, that was that's a kind of promise, I believe, as even Gary was talking about in his prayer, it's a kind of promise that, that as men, as men of God, we stand up to those promises that we make. Now, I know the conflicts happen, the struggles go on in life, and I understand all those things very, very well. But I understand that where we are today is always a new day for a new promise. It's always a new day to to put a stake in the ground and say, I make this promise, and I'm I'm living by this promise of who God is in my life. And and that's what this verse is talking about. It's talking about this whole whole future in regards to what's going to happen. This promise is coming along. Now, verse 21 says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. Now, if you go back to Genesis 48, he also blesses all the sons in that chapter. He's giving the blessings later to his 12 sons. And he remember, he has, Jacob has the 12 sons, and they're going to become the nation of Israel. And Jacob blesses them, but, but the focus of this verse is not about the blessing of those 12 sons, it's the blessing that he gives to Joseph's sons. An interesting passage because he blesses them and then he worships. If you go and you read that, you begin to recognize that this relationship is now being built on the 
progression. So build your relationships on words of progress because they're, they're moving somewhere. They're not stagnant. And that really is, if you go back to that Genesis passage, that's what he's talking about. He's trying to help us to understand that it wasn't just the 12 tribes of Israel. It was the line of Joseph. It was what's going to happen. It was by their faith and where they had come from and who Joseph was that there now is a forward motion of what God is doing. And there is always a forward motion in our lives. There's always movement in our life. We are, we are going somewhere. We are not stagnant. When we, we've heard that, you know, you're the moving forward or you're going backwards. You're just not sitting still. There's always something going on around us. I have a friend who, who is a fisherman. He's a bass fisherman. And we were with him just a couple of weeks ago. And when I say a bass fisherman, he's got the big boat on the river doing the tournaments, doing all that. And uh, he was just talking about how things have changed in the fishing world and, the, and boats and equipment. And, uh, you know, how you can now with, it, with the GPS in the water, you can see where you're going. But at the same time, he, he talked about the fact when you, when you set that boat somewhere, unless you put down the right anchors and put the right place and get the right things, it's going to drift on you, you know? And he, and he was telling us that he had gone fishing in this one river not too long ago where they were drifting and there were some uh, alligators around them and they were like, what are we doing drifting toward the bank? And they can see the snake and the alligator. It's like, but there's always drift in their lives. That's my point here. There's always drift, right? We're, we're moving somewhere. So here he's giving us an understanding that there's progression in sight. We're moving towards something. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, he's talking about this courage. He says, be on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. There must be courage in our lives. Because if we're going to progress, it progresses out of the courage that God has given us. Also in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which we've been dealing with, he says, by faith... Now, faith is sure, being sure, being certain, being able to understand of all these things. This faith is being certain of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. So faith inside this is not just, is not just courage, but it's also hopefulness, right? It gives us the hope that we need. And that's what he's talking about in verse 21. By this faith, Jacob who was dying, blessed Joseph's son so that they might have the courage and they might have the hopefulness of what was going to come. They might be able to recognize that. He also tells us in 1 John 5, 14, that our move is also toward the understanding of confidence. He would say, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to who he is. We have the confidence that God is going to respond. Why? Because he's already promised. He's already promised that he's going to have his presence. He's already promised that he's going to give us the provision. He's already promised that he's going to give us his power. So when we are progressing through that, the idea that we have to have confidence in that is easy for us to understand. That we have the courage and the hopefulness and the, and the confidence to move forward in life. Now, people around us need to hear that out of us as believers. Now, we might say, man, the world is struggling, our nation is struggling, things around us are struggling, but we shouldn't live in this land of struggling because our focus is not on the struggle. Our focus is on the future, right? Now, we, we come to this fourth one that I've mentioned here, this idea of moving toward holiness, and that may be the toughest one of all in this uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 passage, when he, when he says to us, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, 
I, I thought I'd throw in that discipline thing just so us dads know that our kids hear that it's okay to discipline them kind of deal. No, just kidding there. So anyway, he tells us, our fathers discipline us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we might share in his holiness. We get to share in the holiness of God. That's what we're moving toward, which is being right with him. Not out of our own ability, but out of the fact that he lives in us. How? By his Holy Spirit. So you see in this passage, when he's talking, making these simple phrases about the faith of Isaac and the faith of Jacob, they have built into them the promise and the progression of our Christian lives. And third, build your relationship on words of protection. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. That passage is in Genesis chapter 50, and this is what it says in Genesis chapter 50. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, talking to his family. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised, an oath of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've already talked about Isaac and Jacob. And here Joseph is, and then verse 25, and Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. Now, why would God come to his aid? Why would God come to their aid? They were living in the land of Goshen. They were doing just fine inside that. But God had given to Joseph an understanding of the future, an understanding of what was going to happen. And inside that was that protection that he was giving to the children of Israel. And he was saying to them, there's going to come this day where you're going to be enslaved in this place of Egypt, but there's going to come this day in the future when he's talking about the end, you're going to be set free. You're going to be, you're going to be relieved from that. So we build on this word of protection that God, in who he is, is telling Joseph that we are protected. How? By God's presence, by his provision, by his power. That's how, because we are progressively moving forward. And Joseph understood. He could see what was happening in the distance. How, how could he see that? How did he know that so clearly? Well, it comes by simply by understanding God's compassion, right? In Psalm 103, he says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. As a father has compassion on his children, verse 13 says, So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Compassion comes out of our understanding of protection. Confession comes out of our understanding of protection. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're talking about being people who understand God's promise, who understands God's progress and what God is doing in protection. We understand that what clearly happens inside that is that we become, as I've listed here, men of confession. And maybe that's the hardest thing, or maybe one of the hardest things, for us as men to deal with. A confession that we might be wrong, a confession that we might have done something wrong, a confession that we're out of bounds in our relationship, a confession that we, we're in sin in some way and shouldn't be, a confession of what we're listening to or watching or seeing, those confessions that become real. Yet, inside that, Joseph 
Joseph, when speaking about his end that was near, he spoke about this confession of what was going to happen. And, and inside that, he was talking about the future. He was saying, here's what's coming. Here's the way it's going to be. And then, last, be a man of completion. And we see that in 2 Timothy, in this verse where he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And so it is in these verses on this Father's Day, we read again that it was by faith that Isaac, it was by faith Jacob, it was by faith Joseph. And what do our family, what does our family, our friends, those around us need to see out of our lives? All of our lives. Out of fathers and men, us too. What do they need to see? They need to see us as people of faith. Why? Because it's as people of faith that we reveal the promise of who God is. It's a people of faith that we recognize the progress that we're making toward not an earthly end, but a heavenly beginning. It's a people that say we want to protect others. We want to do that and be protected by God because we are willing to be compassionate people. We're willing to be confessional people. We're willing to say we're going to keep the faith and complete the work that God has assigned for you. Whether that's a father, a mom, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, wherever God puts us by faith, we live as these men gave us the example to live.